So I would say just start. If you need to start marketing for your business, just start. You have to start somewhere. If you have to sell merchandise like we sell, just start small and try to figure out what people want to buy. I would say just jumping into whatever aspect of the job there is and fake it till you make it. And then you learn and then you get better at it. But school is never going to tell you as an entrepreneur how to be perfect in any one thing. It's just not being afraid to jump in and try. Welcome in to Studying Success. On this podcast, I interview entrepreneurs, investors, and CEOs who reveal their personal stories and advice for high school and college students on how to become successful in the business world. In this episode, we are joined by Kim Dowling, founder and CEO at Ride Indoor Cycling. Founded in Austin, Texas, Ride offers customers a fun workout experience filled with dancing, music, and colorful lights. In today's episode, we discuss the power of word-of-mouth marketing for Ride's success, how Kim creates a world-class experience for Ride's customers, and how Ride was able to pivot during COVID. Stick around to the end to hear Kim's suggested reading list for high school and college students interested in business. Here's the interview. Mrs. Dowling, thank you so much for coming on Studying Success. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. Could you please tell us who you are, what your title is, and what is Ride? Yeah, I'm Kim Dowling, and I'm the founder of Ride Indoor Cycling. Ride Indoor Cycling was established 11 years ago, and it's a fitness workout. We have five studios in Texas. We have two in Austin and three in Houston for five total. And we are a full body spin workout incorporating hand weights and choreography to get into your core. And we do our spin classes in a state-of-the-art studio with awesome sound and lights like you would see in a concert or in a dance club. And we ride to the rhythm and we do choreography on the bikes. And like I said, it's 45 minutes. It's super fun. It's super social because it feels like you're with a group of friends in that environment and it really works. It's a great cardio workout. How did you come up with the idea for Ride? I was doing a similar workout when I lived in Manhattan and at several different places and I really loved it. I had danced my whole childhood. I really loved the dance music aspect of it and I was hooked. I did it all the time. I would do it almost every day and so when my family decided to move to Austin, I decided to open a studio because it wasn't here yet. It was a new trendy workout. How were you able to open up a new studio? What were the things involved to go into that? It was a real learning curve. I thought I was opening up a studio for just me and my friends because I just wanted to do it myself. And we found our first studio downtown across from City Hall in Austin. I was just some housewife looking for a space. So I didn't get this sort of attention from the real estate agent that someone who was established would get. So I finally found a space downtown and a lot of people said, no one will drive downtown. No one will park down there. People like to work out outside in Austin. I got a lot of naysayers when I talked to them about it, but I thought if we did it right, it would be popular like it was in New York City. And we opened and within two weeks we were sold out with our first class. And then five weeks later, 
later, almost all of our classes were sold out. It took off really quickly. How did you get the word out for Ride? How did you get so many people to sign up so quickly? That's a great question. I went around town and did classes from the best instructors that I had heard through friends. We're connected and had a community. And I hired great first instructors. They brought people with them. They were little semi-celebrities in the fitness world. And I tell you, social media back then, 11 years ago, was super effective. You could put something on Facebook and I would watch a class populate. Facebook was an incredible marketing tool back then. We didn't really do marketing besides free social marketing and word of mouth. So we were really lucky that people got it as quickly as they did. What was it like to build the first store? I imagine that was a big learning process. What was that like? You're right. It was a big learning curve. My husband was in charge of the construction and we used an architect we knew from New York who did the branding part of it. We wanted it to look cool, like an iPod. And we had all kinds of problems. On our opening day, the toilet didn't work. The plumbing went out. There was water everywhere, (laughs) but it was still really fun. So we had to learn. How did you deal with that? Were customers initially, because of the plumbing and the toilet not working, were they like, oh no, this is bad? Or what happened? They loved it because they'd never done a workout like that. And they came sliding out of class. Oh, the AC went out too. Everything went out at once, but they came sliding out of class, sliding all the way across the lobby floor and loved it because this rhythm aspect to it, riding like you're dancing to the beat was so new and so much fun. You said earlier that you went around town to get the word out. What did you do specifically? Did you go to different already established workout places or how did you get the word out specifically? I didn't get the word out. I just hired instructors who had a following. Oh, wow. And when I hired them, they told their people to come to the new place. But with something good anywhere, word gets out. It's almost like an energy. When something is good, be it a restaurant or a workout or anything, I think word of mouth can really get you off the ground. And social media was key. It was newish, but it was key. So you had tons of people signing up. Were you initially like, let's go bigger? Or what was their reaction? What did you think of all your customers? We did tell ourselves that as soon as we sold out classes, we were going to start building more studios. And very quickly, we got inundated with a lot of people who wanted to get involved with us. And it was really nice. Specifically, most importantly, one of our writers was moving to Houston and she was hooked and she gave us the opportunity to open studios in Houston. Because as you can imagine, being in Austin, running a studio in Houston is a lot of work. That would be constant travel. So she became our partner in Houston and she oversees the three studios in Houston. And that was key for us being in another market. We needed someone invested and boots on the ground. She's an instructor. She sells out. And it was very important to have someone from another market who could do it with us. I assume you oversee all the stores in Austin? Yes. I oversee the customer experience. So the customer experience is when you hit our front door, what comes after that? That is what I oversee. The check-in at the front desk and what happens at the front desk. The rental of the shoes that you need to ride our bikes. If you want to buy water, if you want to buy merchandise, we do have a retail aspect. What type of sales are we doing at the front desk? And then you put your belongings in a locker, go into the room, and what is the customer service in the room? And then finally, what is the class like? And then as you're leaving, are there still touch points with our riders. We call them 
riders, our customers, are there still touch points from our staff, even on the way out? So that's what I oversee, the customer experience. And then we have staff that oversees marketing, HR, social media, accounting, operations. Operations is ordering everything for the stores, for the studios. We have people who clean. Then we have the instructors and trainers and we have maintenance. We have constant maintenance on the studios and bikes. So it's more than you would think. What do you think is the most important part of Ride's customer experience? Attention to detail in terms of are we serving our riders? Do we remember their names? Do we know where they like to sit? Do we know which weights they like to have on their bike? Do we know their shoe size if they rent shoes? And is our class on brand? Meaning, is it the right intensity? Are guidelines being followed? And I think all of that plays into caring about our riders. We celebrate milestones in classes. We have bride rides. We have birthday parties. We celebrate birthdays. Even if you don't set up a birthday party, we know it's your birthday because you put it in your profile on our website or on our app. And so I think the attention paid to our riders is why people come back over and over. Plus the workout is a blast. But I think people, especially in Austin, expect friendliness and they expect when it's a boutique workout and it's not a membership, they really expect to be treated well and as well they should. I assume from starting Ride to where it is now, there's been some changes to the experience and to what you do at Ride. So have there been any aha moments where you're like, oh, wow, we should do that because that really works really well? Oh, yeah. Especially during the pandemic. You hear this word pivot probably when you're talking to entrepreneurs. Pivot means think of another way to make money. This isn't working for some reason or this isn't available to us right now or we have to get creative. The pandemic, as you can imagine, with a fitness business was challenging, really challenging. And so we had to learn. It was a forced aha moment. We had to learn how to stream our classes. We rented out all of our bikes to our top riders and they took them home and we streamed our classes from the studio. We had to figure out how to do that. And we had to get better at selling merchandise online because people were in our studios to buy it. So that was some forced aha moments for sure. And also, I think we have aha moments when competition comes around. I think that's a good thing. Competition forces you to get better and forces you to innovate. What was it like initially when the pandemic hit? Everything shut down. I assume it was just absolutely crazy. What happened? I was in Hawaii, actually, on spring break with my family, and we had to tell everyone we were closing the studios. We thought it would be for two weeks. I think that's what the CDC was saying at that time. And it ended up being two months. And then when we were allowed to be in business, we could only have about 10 bikes in the room because they had to be really spread out. And everyone had to wear masks, which can you, you know. You're huffing, you're puffing, but we did it. Yeah, it was challenging though. So you mentioned another way that you pivot is based on what your competitors do. So who are your competitors and what makes Ride better than those competitors? We have, I would say all boutique fitness is our competitors. It's not just other spin studios. It's maybe a kickboxing place or it's a bar studio or it's Equinox, which is a big box concept where they have several modes modalities, fitness modalities under one roof. That's 
all competition. And it's good though, because you have to be on your game. You've got to be on your toes and you have to learn and you have to always be better. And what I feel that we do so very well is our attention to our writers, the customer service, the excellence of our instructors. We do extensive training for our instructors and our desk. We just train, train, and then we keep training. Tomorrow, I have an ongoing training workshop that I'll be attending. And I think that's what separates us from the crowd. The fact that as a brand, we really care about excellence. Going back to your expansion, when you initially started Ride, you had the Austin location and then you expanded to Houston. Were there any other further expansions that were particularly crucial to where Ride is today? Yeah, every expansion was crucial because we went into a different community every time and we got to know a different group of people. And the pandemic stopped it and we actually lost a studio. It never came back after the pandemic. So we merged it with a nearby studio and actually that worked out because the other studio got bigger. I think all the growth we did was crucial and we learned so much every time we grew and maybe we'll keep growing. We've done it in an organic way so far. As people come to us and offer us great real estate. We check it out and that's how we've been growing. We ask our staff, can we take on more? And if the answer is yes, then we do another studio. I still think that we've got a ways to go to come all the way back since the pandemic. And I think it will come all the way back. It's just taking its time. And some people like to go online now, right? We have all this great new technology that we're using, actually. You said that when you open another studio, there's a whole different community that you have to cater to. Do you have to change anything when you open up a new studio about your experience? And what is it like to open up a new studio? Our key is we have to not change. We have to remain consistent. We have to remain consistent across all of our studios studios because we have a lot of riders who come from Houston and ride in Austin. People like coming to Austin for the weekend, for different events. We have music festivals, all type of things going on in Austin. And so that Houston rider has to feel that they're getting the same experience in Austin. So the key to new studios is to keep it consistent across the board with other studios. And what we do is we go into a new area. We try to hire instructors who are local. That's that. And they will bring their followers and we don't do that much marketing. We have a big grand opening day where it's all free for a day or maybe a weekend. We're in the paper maybe once, but our marketing is social media and that's free. It can be very powerful if you do it right. If you have a good social media person, it's very powerful. What are the things that make social media so powerful? What can you do to post on social media to make advertisements particularly successful? I think you have to... To show your followers images of you doing what you do best or reels or videos. I think you have to stick to what you do best. And what we do best is we throw a party. So what gets the most engagement for our brand is for our followers to see us in the room, doing our dancing, celebrating someone's birthday. We have lights, not strobe lights, but lights that come on and off with the music and our instructors dance around the room to 
motivate everyone. And that type of content gets the best engagement. That's in our wheelhouse. And that's what people want to see. They want to see the fun. What do you think is the most important thing to keep in mind in advertising or in sales for a consumer-based business? Just stick to your brand. Figure out what your brand is and you just have to be consistent to your brand. Don't try to do too much. For us, if we just put out a great product, people come. It doesn't take a lot of sales. We do invite corporate groups in sometimes for rides if they show interest in us, but we don't do that much in, in regards to sales. But we do use the riders we have as marketers for us. If they love the workout, they go out and market for us. They tell all their friends to come with them. They go to their workplace and talk to other co-workers about this great workout. They talk about how much weight they lost or how much fun they're having, or you've got to see this one instructor. I just had the best time. So if we're doing our job right, our riders are our best sales force. Through building Ride, what has been the most important learning that you've had about business? The most important learning I've had has been to just jump into whatever it is that you want to do or need to do. No one knows how to do anything perfectly. This is a good thing for high schoolers and college students to hear. You learn at college and high school up to a certain extent, but then you just have to jump in and experience it. So I would say just start. If you need to start marketing for your business, just start. You have to start somewhere. If you have to sell merchandise like we sell, just start small and try to figure out what people want to buy. I would say just jumping into whatever aspect of the job there is and fake it till you make it. And then you learn and then you get better at it. But school is never going to tell you as an entrepreneur how to be perfect in any one thing. It's just not being afraid to jump in and try. What do you like most about running Ride? I love the workout myself, actually. There's no one who has more fun than I do. I love it. I'm in class. I'm dancing. I'm wooing. I'm yelling. I love that. I'm a dancer. I'm a music fan. But as far as what I give to our community, what we provide to our community, I love seeing riders coming in and they're maybe in a grumpy mood or they're tired or they're harried maybe. And they come in and they have a great experience and they walk out and they're lighter on their feet and they're happy and they're smiling. And I feel like we've made a shift in their day. That shift that happens, I just love it. I feel we're improving their day or day changers. I just love that. I love seeing that. That's my favorite part. What would you say you're best at and why do you think you're best at that thing? I'd say I'm best at training. I think that I've been training so long, our instructors and our desk, that I feel that I've got it down and I feel that I have high standards. I think that's what's best about me. I have just these high standards and I will keep training someone and not give up on them, keep developing someone until I see this sort of work out of them that I expect. So yeah, I think the training aspect of what I do is personally my forte. Do you have any resources that you like to use to learn more about business? Oh, yes, I do. And I think you always have to learn. I like your podcast. I've enjoyed listening to your guests. You've had some great guests on. But my favorite podcast is How I Built This. Guy Raz, he's great. And I love it because it's founders of businesses and they tell it like it is. They tell the warts and all story. They tell about their failures and their successes. And personally, I identify with that. And on a bad day, I don't feel like such a loser. <laughs> 
<laughs> when I listen to the story of someone who I consider to be brilliant and I hear about their failures. So for an entrepreneur, I really recommend that one. And I also read a lot of management books, a lot of books about attitude. I think for high school kids, mindset is a good one. The culture playbook for business, how to develop your culture, make your bed for high school students, just make your bed. And also atomic habits, atomic habits, how to create small habits leading to a better overall life for yourself. Atomic Habits is fantastic. For our last question, how do you define success? I define success as always growing and always learning, never stopping the learning process. I think that's a successful person. Someone who never says, I'm perfect, now I can stop. I don't need to grow anymore. That bothers me. And I think that's an unsuccessful person. To be successful, you always have to be adding to your skills, adding to your experiences and hard work always pays off in every way. So if you keep stretching yourself, you'll see the results. Awesome. Thank you, Mrs. Dowling, so much for coming on the show. This has been great. Thank you. It's been great, Will. So nice to spend time with you. As always, thank you for listening and please make sure you follow Studying Success to get notified when new podcasts come out. Also, please leave a review and send the podcast to your friends and family to show them what you learned. It would greatly help the show. I'm Will Burkhart, and you've been listening to Studying Success. 